Uh, so we're going to look in Psalm chapter 18, I'm sorry, Psalm 18, uh, verse number 1 and verse number 2. Uh, the Bible says in Psalm 18, verse 1 and verse 2, I will love them, I, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in, him, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Uh, I'll just go ahead and give you the title of my message this evening. The title of my message uh, tonight is, It's Time to Be Possessive. Uh, I hope by the end of the message that uh, I'll be able to explain what I mean by that. Uh, just please pray for me. Uh, I'm, I'm always nervous when I preach, uh, but I'm especially nervous tonight uh, because, uh, <laughs> you know, I really don't care a lot what people think about me, uh, but I care very a great deal about what all of y'all think about me. And so uh, especially sitting here in front of my preacher, and my dad and Dr. Farber, uh, I'm very nervous, so y'all please pray with me, uh, and uh, uh, we'll get into the message. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunity to be in church tonight. Lord, thank you so much for this wonderful church and uh, for this time that we get to be here. Lord, I pray that you please help us tonight speak to us. Uh, God, I know that this is what you'd have me to preach, so please, Lord, give me the words to say. Uh, Lord, I always ask this. I want it to be your words and not my words, so please fill me with your spirit. Speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I'm going to start tonight off with a question. How many of y'all have ever called something before? Uh, if you don't know what I mean by that, I'll give you an example. Uh, when me and my brother were younger, we called everything to try to take possession of it. You know, that we, there was like a constant battle of who was going to get what. Uh, for, like I said, for example, like, you know, we would call the basketball. If we were going to go play basketball, I get ball first, you know, something like that. Or uh, I get the front seat of the car. Or, you know, or if dad wasn't there, I call the recliner or, you know... Uh, or if, uh, or on the way home with mom, I called the bathroom first, or something like that. You know, we, uh, that was, that was what, that was, that was just how we did everything. We 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 wanted to take possession of it. Uh, we wanted it so bad that we claimed it out loud. Uh, I like this these verses that I read to you tonight uh, because I believe it shows exactly what God was to David. It also shows what God is to each and every one of us. Uh, but the thing I like the most about these verses is the word my. David took possession of all of these things that God offered. Uh, in these two verses, David said the word my nine times. Uh, God was everything to him. He fulfilled every need, and David claimed him as his own. Uh, tonight, we need to take possession of our God. We need to claim him as ours. God provides everything for us. Uh, I just think that we all need to be a little more possessive. So tonight, what I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to give five things that I believe that we should all be a little more possessive about. And... Uh, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get something out of this tonight. So, uh, number one, uh, what I believe that we're all supposed to be possessive of is my God. Uh, the phrase, my God, is found 125 times in the Bible. Uh, I'm going to give you some examples uh, of verses where the phrase, my God, is shown. Uh, number one, he is the God of Moses. Uh, Exodus 15:2 says, the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will prepare him as an habitation, an habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. Uh, also, he, was the God, he is the God of Joshua. Joshua 14.8 says, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Uh, it says in Ruth, Ruth 1.16, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, 
my God. I especially like that verse because this is a very good example of a conscious decision of making it my God. Uh, she chose to make him my God. Now, all these people have chosen God to be their God, uh, but I, I especially like that example. But then uh, he is the God of David. First Chronicles 28, 20 says, And David said to Solomon, his son, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God even my God will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the works for the service of the house of the Lord. I also like this verse because uh, it says for the Lord God. Uh, then it says even my God. Uh, David was saying that we know he's God. Uh, we know he's God of everything. He's God for everyone and everything on earth. But not only is he God for everything, he's my God. I like that verse. And then it says uh, he is the God of Elijah. Second, first, I'm sorry, 1 Kings 17, 20 through 21 says, And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. Uh, then he is the God of Nehemiah. Nehemiah 2, verse 12 says, And I arose in the night, I and some few men with me. Neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. Uh, he is also the God of Daniel. Daniel 6.22 says, My God hath sent an angel and hath shut the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. And then lastly, he is the God of Paul. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Uh, you know, we read of these great Bible characters and think of all of these wonderful Bible stories because pretty much every single one of these verses that I read to you, uh, we know that story. We're very familiar with these verses. Uh, they're all well-known verses, and, and we believe that all of these Bible characters are great. Uh, they're, all, they're all wonderful. God used them all in great ways. Uh, but one thing that they all have in common is they all had an amazing relationship with God. And I believe it's because uh, they were not bashful about making sure that they knew that God was their God. They had the right relationship with God because they proudly possessed him. Uh, and we all need to do the same thing. And so I think uh, tonight, what is God to us? And so I, I wrote down a few things what God is uh, to me. Uh, God is my Savior. Uh, he is my creator. Uh, if you look, you don't have to look there, but, uh, but just like David said in Psalm chapter 8, I'm sorry, Psalm 18, 1 and 2, he's my redeemer, he's my rock, he's my fortress, he's my deliverer, he's my salvation, he is my strength, and he also is my father and my friend. Uh, we need to make sure that we claim God as our own. Uh, God, is, God is obviously wonderful, he has created everything on earth, uh, and he still chooses to be my God, and we need to praise the Lord for that and claim God as our own. Then secondly, what we need to claim, claim as our own, uh, be more possessive about, is my salvation. Uh, flip with me to Psalms chapter 62, verse number seven. Psalm 62, verse number seven. <clears throat> Psalm 62, verse number seven, says, In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Uh, for those of you that just got there, we'll read it one more time. Uh, Psalm 62, seven. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge 
is in God, uh, but God is my salvation. Uh, I, I say this a lot when, uh, you know, I, I do get to travel a lot and preach, and this is something I say uh, pretty often. Uh, we all understand that Jesus Christ came to die for the sins of every single person on earth, and praise the Lord for that. Uh, but oftentimes I think we need to think of salvation a little more personally. Uh, Jesus Christ did come die for the sins of all the world, but he came to die for my sins specifically. Uh, you know, that amazes me because Jesus Christ knows everything I ever done. Uh, he knows every sin I ever committed, every, every horrible thought I've ever had. He knows that, and he still chose to die on the cross just for me. And uh, I, I, I know that we're all grateful for salvation. We all praise God for salvation, but we need to be more possessive about our salvation. We need to think about it more often. And I don't know if, if all of y'all know my salvation testimony, so I'm going to take this opportunity to share it really quick. Uh, I, you know, obviously grew up here my entire life, and I uh, praise the Lord that I had that opportunity, that I got to hear uh, the, the salvation story my entire life. But I, I made a profession of, uh, of faith at the age of four, uh, but that that was a long time ago, and uh, I don't remember a whole lot of it. And because I couldn't remember uh, every detail of it, I struggled with my salvation for a long, long time. Uh, all the way through high school, I worried about it. I, I was not 100% sure. Uh, even going into Bible college, I still struggled with it and, and didn't know for sure that I was on my way to heaven. And so I obviously, as most of you know, got the opportunity to travel for our college tour group. And we were traveling that first summer. And uh, obviously, we got to travel all over the country and got to hear Brother Montgomery preach a good bit that summer. And so because we got to hear Brother Montgomery preach, we heard about the same three messages the whole entire summer. Uh, and so uh, I can't blame him for that because I thought about preaching one of the messages I always preach tonight. And Jessica told me that if I did that, she was going to volunteer for the nursery. And so... <laughs> Uh, so I understand uh, pastors, uh, I understand preachers uh, preaching the same messages if they're in different places. So uh, I knew when we were at a church, we were at Brother Randall's church in Colorado, in Brighton, Colorado, and they asked Brother Montgomery to preach that night. Uh, and he got up and I knew as soon as he started what his scripture, I knew exactly what message he was going to preach. And it was his typical Sunday morning uh, message that he preached on salvation. Uh, the only difference was tonight was Wednesday night. Uh, and I thought to myself when he started preaching, why in this great church is he preaching a salvation message on Wednesday night? I don't get it. Uh, well, about halfway through the message, God said to me, hey, dummy, he's preaching at you. And I remember just letting pride get over me all over again. And I said, God, I cannot admit to this entire church that I am not saved. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm here representing our Bible college. Uh, they're going to think that they just send out heathens just because they can sing. Uh, I cannot admit that I, that I don't know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Uh, so I remember that I, I just pushed it off, but I sweat through my clothes that entire message. Uh, I was dripping with sweat that whole entire time. Then afterwards, we packed up the display and headed back to the hotel. And, uh, and I remember just praying the entire way that we wouldn't wreck in the van, you know, because I just knew I'd spend eternity in hell. Uh, and when we got back to the hotel, I just couldn't take it anymore. So I ran upstairs and grabbed my phone, and then I ran outside and I called my dad. And y'all have met my dad. Uh, you know how loving and compassionate he is. Uh, and I, I remember I called him, and he answered the phone. And the first thing I said was, Dad, I don't know that I'm saved. And in the most loving and compassionate way possible, he said, Jason, you've been in church your whole entire life. You know what to do. Just do it. And so... <laughs> I remember right then and there 
standing outside the uh, Hampton Inn in Brighton, Colorado, June 24, 2012. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I haven't doubted it a single day since then. And I praise the Lord for that, and you know what? I take possession of that. I am very possessive of my salvation. I praise God uh, that he saved me. And you know, one thing else that I, I want to point out before I move on is, is that you know, we, we need to think of it like this, too. Uh, like I said, God died for us specifically, even to the point that if I was the only person on earth, if I was the one and only person here, he would have still come and died on the cross for me. Uh, praise the Lord uh, that he is willing to suffer the cross and hell uh, and death for us. And so uh, we need to be more possessive about my salvation. Then thirdly, what we need to be possessive about is my church. Uh, God said in Matthew 16, 18, uh, that the church is his. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a little bit, before we get all possessive about the church, I do wanna point out one thing, uh, that the church is his. Uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church does not belong to anybody but God. And I believe that, uh, I, I, I believe that a pastor would agree with me. Uh, the church does not belong to pastor. Uh, the church does not belong to the staff. It doesn't belong to the deacons. <clears throat> it doesn't belong to any of the members of Emmanuel Baptist Church. It's God's church and his alone. Uh, now that we've established that, uh, God has given us some direction uh, on how the New Testament, his lo local New Testament church is to be run. Uh, and this is how I believe that God has set it up. God has set it up this way. God is the head of our church. Uh, then he has given us a great pastor to lead us. After that, uh, he, gave, he gave pastor men and women to help operate everything inside the church smoothly. And so, just, so now we're going to get a little more into the possessive part of church. Now, I'm about to impress uh, many of you uh, with some Greek, okay? Brother Fox, this is just for you, all right? Uh, the, uh, the Greek word for church is ekklesia. And if uh, my Bible college professor, Dr. Fox, uh, taught me correctly, uh, ekklesia, the definition of ekklesia, is a called out assembly of believers. Uh, that is what God has called us. And so I, I think of it this way. If we are a called out assembly of believers, that means that every single person sitting in this auditorium tonight is called to be here. Uh, Jesus Christ, it is his will for all of us to be a part of this church. And I, 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 I submit to you that we should be proud to be a part of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Uh, there is no church like this church anywhere else in the world. Uh, we should consider it a privilege to call this our church home. And we need to take possession of it. Uh, we need to hold our heads up high and claim it. Uh, and, and I'll say this <clears throat> before I move on. If you do take possession of your church, there's a couple things that you'll do. Uh, the first is that you'll want to be here. Uh, there, there should never be a person that has to be forced into coming to church. Uh, there should never be a person that has to be guilted into being here. You should want to be here. I, I praise the Lord uh, that my dad has been on staff here since before I was born. So yes, he is very old. And, uh, and, uh, and I praise the Lord that I've had the opportunity uh, to be here almost every single day of my life. <clears throat> I, was, I, I was the kid uh, that even during the summers, my parents brought me to church. I was actually just saying to Jessica on the way here uh, that when I was younger, uh, if I got sick, I did not get to stay home from church. I had to go sit in mom's office while preacher preached, and so mom and dad uh, could do the music. And so I've been in church literally almost every single day of my life, uh, but the thing is, I love it. Uh, I want to be here. I love everything about it. Uh, and, and I say pretty regularly uh, that Jessica and I wouldn't be going to Spain. Uh, we wouldn't be leaving here if we didn't know it was the will of God because 
we want to be here. Uh, we love this church. There is no other church like this church anywhere else in the world. Uh, but then secondly, uh, if you do take possession of your church, uh, you will not only want to be here, but you'll be involved. <clears throat> uh, there's many ways that you can be involved in your church. Uh, number one, uh, a way that you can be involved in your church is just through fellowship. I praise the Lord uh, that there are people that show up at this church an hour and a half before service ever starts just so they can sit and talk. And I also praise the Lord uh, that after the church uh, dismisses, after pastor says that final prayer and, and dismissal, uh, that we all don't make a run for the door. Uh, I like that there's people that stand outside and talk for an hour before they head home. Uh, you know, there are churches, uh, because Jessica and I do get to travel so much and get to be in so many churches, there are churches uh, that as soon as you say amen, you have to dive for it because people are going to be racing for the door. Uh, there's people that don't like fellowship. Uh, and I praise the Lord. Uh, that th this, this point proves tonight that I am preaching to the choir because I think that our church is wonderful and we do have good fellowship. Uh, but we should be a part of that fellowship. Uh, but then secondly, uh, we need to be involved in ministry. Uh, there are many, many, many ministries that you can be involved in in this church, and, and, and it's a good thing to be involved in ministry. There's, there's, again, there's churches out there that don't have the opportunities that you have here, and I can guarantee you if you're not involved in a ministry right now, if you come to pastor and say, hey, pastor, can I do something in the church, he ain't going to say no, and so we need to be involved in ministry, but then uh, thirdly, we need to be involved, excuse me, in outreach. Uh, uh, God has commanded each and every one of us to preach the gospel to every single person, and I'm very, uh, very, uh, uh, I enjoy preaching about missions, so I like talking about outreach, uh, but we should be, I think that we are very blessed as a church as far as outreach is concerned. Uh, again, Jessica and I travel all over the country, and we go to so many churches where every single person in the church is over 70, and there's no outreach involved in the church at all. Uh, and the truth is, what's going to happen is every single one of those people are going to die, and the church is going to close its doors, and then that's another independent Baptist church that is no longer open for business. Uh, and the, the truth is, it's because they don't have any kind of outreach. Uh, they are satisfied uh, with, how, with the size of their church and who's there, and they don't have any desire to reach anybody else. Uh, and, and I praise the Lord that on Saturdays, we have hundreds of people here that are willing to go out door knocking, uh, but we need to be challenged to not let that change. Uh, because if we do decide that we're not going to uh, go out and outreach and, and door knock anymore, uh, then we have some young people here, but eventually even those young people are going to die. And I don't want to see my church die. Uh, I, I love my church. I want to be able to come back to this church until I die uh, from off the field. I, when I come home on furlough, I want to come here and see new faces. I want to make sure that this church continues uh, in the way that it's going. But we need to be involved in outreach. And then just, just quickly, another way I thought that you could be involved in our church um, is, is this. We're, we're about to make another uh, really, really big move. Uh, and I remember last time uh, we moved from the old property to here, I praise the Lord that I got to be a part of helping move every single piece of equipment and all that stuff all, all the way over here. Uh, but we're about to do it again, and, and we need help doing the same thing again. Uh, but then once we get there, uh, there's going to be plenty of building projects and, and construction and destruction and, and all sorts of things over there, and, and we need people to help with that. Uh, and that's a great way that you can claim it as your church. Uh, I remember on the old property, uh, before we moved over here, uh, I remember we would walk you know, through the property and through some of the buildings, and my dad would say to me, now, this wall used to be here, and we used to have this wall over here, and there was a door this way, and, and I'm pretty sure that they changed every wall on that property at some point in time. Uh, but 
uh, <laughs> uh, but I enjoyed getting to hear my dad say, I was able to build this wall. I was able to put this door in. It made it my dad's. It made it my dad's church. I remember when we, uh, when we remodeled the tin can over on the old property, I remember being excited uh, that I got to hand my dad a hammer so he could hammer a nail into the wall. I remember thinking, uh, I get to work at my church. I get to be involved at my church. Uh, that's an amazing way to make it your church. So please, uh, when, we, when we start getting ready to move, be involved in the move. Be involved in the construction. Uh, but then fourthly, what we need to be possessed about uh, is, is my pastor. Uh, I believe that we are incredibly best to have the pastor that we have. Uh, he has so many wonderful qualities. Uh, I can't think any of them right now, but uh, uh, I'm kidding. <clears throat> I'm kidding. Uh, we, he has, excuse me, he has many, many wonderful qualities, and please don't tell him I said that, uh, but... Um, <clears throat> Uh, but the first is just his preaching. Uh, I enjoy getting to hear my pastor preach. Uh, you know, we don't get to be here very often, but uh, thankfully, uh, I have the opportunity to hear him online. Uh, even when we're traveling, I like to hear my pastor preach. I, I praise the Lord for the preaching that we get to sit under every single week. Uh, but then, uh, just his praying, I know that our pastor prays for us. I know that our pastor has a relationship with God, and I know uh, that he prays to God every single day on how to handle the church and how to help us. And I praise the Lord that our pastor prays. I, I also praise the Lord uh, for his love for us. I know that our pastor loves us. I see that. Uh, when pastor talks to us and, and I see tears coming down his face, I, I know that my pastor loves me. I praise the Lord for his counsel. Uh, we have an amazing pastor uh, who God has given uh, the ability to counsel us in things that we need, and I praise the Lord for that, uh, and then I also praise the Lord for his vision. Uh, I don't know very many people that have a vision like our pastor has. Uh, again, uh, we meet many, many pastors, and a lot of them are just satisfied with how their church is. A lot of them don't have any ambition. They don't have a vision, and you know, the verse that we get to, get to quote pretty often is, where there is no vision, the people perish. I don't want this church to perish. I'm glad that our pastor has a vision for this church, uh, and we need to praise the Lord for that, and, and, and one thing uh, uh, one way uh, to claim your pastor as your pastor is by giving him the pastoral authority uh, that the Bible commands us to give. Uh, I'll give you a, a personal example. Uh, several years ago, uh, when, right after we got married, Jessica and I went to pastor for some advice, uh, for some counsel. And I remember when we left that office that day, uh, we were not happy with him. Uh, we did not hear what we wanted to hear. Uh, and, and I remember, you know, we went home that day uh, and... We talked about it, and we prayed about it, and I remember, you know, just getting to the point where, uh, that, you know, I, I knew that the Bible said that pastor has authority over us. Uh, the way my parents raised me, the way they always taught me, this is what they said. Uh, they said that uh, we are going to live our life like we believe God wants us to live, but preacher has veto power. That's the way they worded it. And, and I remember uh, saying to Jessica uh, that we're going to live our lives the way that God wants us to, but pastor has veto power. Uh, and so even though it wasn't necessarily what we wanted, we decided that we were going to do what pastor said. Uh, but then uh, I believe because of that, uh, two short months later, uh, where my relationship with pastor was better and my relationship with God was better, God called me to the country of Spain. And, uh, and I praise the Lord for that. And I remember walking up to pastor and saying, pastor, I think that God uh, wants Jessica and I to be missionaries of Spain. And he laughed. And uh, I thought, oh, no, he's laughing. He's going to tell me no again. 
but he, he laughed and then said, I knew it was going to be Europe. And, and, you know, it just amazed me uh, that God gave my pastor, uh, not only did he speak to me about being a missionary, but he spoke to my pastor and told pastor I was going to be a missionary. Uh, and not only told him that I was going to be a missionary, but told him that it was going to be in Europe. Uh, that was amazing to me, and, and I knew then uh, that I had the pastor I was supposed to have. Uh, that was the day that he really became my pastor. I took possession of my pastor, and we all need to do that. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, getting back to that, God put pastor over our New Testament church. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This verse tells us, straight up that God gave us our pastor. And the reason he gave him to us is because pastor is supposed to perfect the saints. He's supposed to make us perfect. Uh, now, we've obviously made his job very easy uh, right there. Uh, but... <clears throat> Uh, but that's what, that's what pastor's here for, is to perfect us and to, uh, to help us in the ministry and to teach us. Uh, that's what pastor's here for. Uh, and we need to praise the Lord for our pastor. But the truth is, pastor can't do everything here by himself. Uh, he does need our help. Uh, this is one of my favorite examples in the Bible of, uh, of, of helping the pastor. Look with me in Exodus verse number, uh, chapter 17. Exodus 17. We're going to read uh, verse number 9 through verse number 12. Exodus 17, verse 9 through verse number 12. I'll give you a second to get there. Exodus 17, verse 9 through verse number 12. All right, verse 9 says, And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men, and go out. Fight with Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand up on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said, had said to him, and fought with Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel, excuse me, prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. This is an amazing example of how we're supposed to help our pastor. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this, uh, but pastoring a church, period, is not easy. Uh, But especially pastoring us cannot be easy. Uh, A pastor has an amazing job, and I believe uh, that he enjoys it. I believe that he knows that God wants him to be here. Uh, But I also know that it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. And we're supposed to help our pastor. We're supposed to hold the hands up of our pastor. Uh, You know, I just, I read this verse and I kind of thought about it uh, like this. Uh, You know, this says that Moses told Joshua to go out and do something. Uh, And then Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill on either side of him and assisted him. And helped him do what he was supposed to do. I thought about it kind of like this. Uh, Pastor is sending Jessica and I to Spain to do our very best in reaching people for Christ. But pastor has a job to do here and not only help us get to Spain, but he has a job to help everybody else here. And he gets to have a brother Stanley and a brother Farber here to help hold up his hands. 
to help him do what we're supposed to do at our church. So that's the same job for every single person in this auditorium. We're supposed to hold the hands up of our pastor. We're supposed to help our pastor. A uh, pastor should never have to look or ask for people to be involved. A uh, pastor should never have to ask for someone to help him. We should be willing to volunteer because we need to take possession of my pastor. Uh, we need to make him our pastor. Then number five, uh, and lastly, uh, we need to, excuse me, take possession of my ministry. Look with me in Acts 20, uh, verse number 24. Acts 20, verse number 24. Acts 20, verse number 24. <clears throat> Acts 20, verse number 24. Uh, the Bible says in verse 24, but none of these things move me, Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, this verse tells me that God gives every single one of us a ministry. Uh, not just the ones uh, that are full-time ministry, not just the pastors, not just the missionaries. God gives every single one of us a ministry. Uh, that message quite clearly in verse number 24 says to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Uh, God has given all of us a ministry. Uh, the way I think about it, if we take possession of our ministry, now, now let me preface again by saying ministry is for God. Ministry is not for us. It's not for our glory. It's not for my glory. It's for the glory of God. God is first place in every single thing in our life, and God is first place in my ministry. Uh, but, but we should also take possession of that ministry. If, if we're not, even if you're not in full-time ministry, uh, we all have a ministry to do. Uh, one thing I will say is that, uh, that maybe this is just personal, but I believe that most preachers are like this. Uh, I take pride in my ministry. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I, 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 I don't want, to, want you all to think that I'm being prideful about it, but I'm proud that I get to serve God. I'm proud uh, that I get to travel all over the country, and I get to preach uh, way more than I ever thought I would. Uh, I'm proud uh, that I get to go out and represent my pastor. I'm proud that I get to go out and represent my church. I'm proud that I get to go out and represent the people of Spain. I'm proud that I get to go out and represent God. I am proud that I have the opportunity to do that. Uh, I, and the truth is, is, I want to do my very best for God, and I want to do my very best for you. Uh, I'm proud of that, and like I said, I believe that every single preacher, if he's right with God, feels the exact same way. Uh, but even if you're not a full-time uh, preacher, even if you're not a full-time uh, minister, uh, you, your ministry is to help your pastor. Your ministry is to help your church. Your ministry is to do the will of God for your life. Your ministry is to tell others about Christ. Uh, if, you, if you say, well, I'm not in full-time ministry, you don't have to be in full-time ministry to show up on Saturday and go out door knocking. Uh, you don't have to be in full-time ministry uh, to help build the new property up. Uh, you don't have to be in full-time ministry to help your pastor with whatever he needs help with. That's your ministry, and we need to take possession of our ministry. Uh, now, if God has called uh, some of you uh, to be missionaries, if God has some, called some of you to be pastors, uh, take possession of it. Be proud that you get to serve God with your life uh, because it's the greatest thing on the face of the earth. Uh, but if your ministry is this church, uh, then please Please make this church the greatest church uh, that has ever been in your entire life. We need to take possession of our ministry. Uh, I believe that God has blessed all of us so very much by giving us all these things. To be able to say that God is my God is so very incredible. 
Uh, to be able to, say, uh, be able to claim salvation is just beyond belief that God would send his son to die on the cross for me. That's amazing. Uh, to, to have a wonderful church and a wonderful pastor like we have is, is just is absolutely incredible. Uh, to be able to serve God with our lives is more than any of us ever deserve. Uh, but none of this means anything unless we claim it. Uh, none of it means a single thing unless we take possession of it. We don't need to, uh, we don't need to be half-hearted about what God has called us to do. Uh, we don't need to be half-hearted about our church or our pastor or our God or even our salvation. Uh, we need to take possession of what God has given us and wear it proudly. Let's have a word of prayer.